Amen. Praise the Lord. You know, Eric read our text this morning, uh, this morning, so used to Sunday mornings, this evening on this Christmas Eve, and we're so familiar with that, that passage, right? I'm, I'm sure that if you're, you're a Christian and, and that you've been a follower of Jesus, you've read the, the account of Jesus' birth many, many times uh, in your lifetime, probably. And um, I want to finish that story, at least that portion, that account there in verse 8, and just go until the angels and the shepherds respond. And in verse 8, Luke says, And in the same region there were shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which shall be for all the people. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And I'll just stop there. And, 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 and it's, it's an amazing thing that Jesus was born in such a way. Such a humble, lowly, weak state that he came into this world. The God of the universe for you and for me. You know, we're so familiar with the Christmas story, I think a lot of us. The carols, right? We know them. Some of us know them, but we don't want to sing them. That's okay. You, I know you're humming in your heart. Some of us know them, and we sing out loud, and, 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 but we know them, right? We know the, the, the birth of Christ. We know the story. We know the shepherds, the wise men. We can recite those things and recall those things very quickly, right? And, of course, we don't forget God's gift of salvation to us. I mentioned that earlier, but I mentioned that again. But the question becomes, when I think about that, and I think about the text that Eric read, our text this evening, how is it that there is no room for Jesus? How was it? How is it? Even today, just like over 2,000 years ago, how is it that there's no room for Jesus today? And, and even further, I have another question. How is that gift, and how was that gift received? How was it received? Sorry, there's no room. There's no room. Today, Preston went out in the cold and he dropped off a gift for one of his friends in a neighborhood behind our neighborhood. And then he came home and 10 minutes later or so got a text from his friend and said, I want to come by and give you a gift too. So when he got that gift, went to the door, he got it. When he got that, his face was already smiling, and he didn't wait. He ripped it open, and he was happy, right? He was thrilled. He was excited, and he was we waiting for that, knowing it's coming. But in this case, when Jesus came, all he got was, there's no room. There's no place for you to be born. And so Mary and Joseph had to find a place in a stable in the corner, in the inn. We have here the Bible records, in the inn, right? There's no room in the inn, but he had to go... To, the, to, to a stable there and be born. Didn't somebody, I mean, even one person, didn't somebody notice that Mary was pregnant at the check-in counter at the Holiday Inn? I mean, really, and, and, and still said, there's no room, we can't help you. They could have made a makeshift room, something for crying out loud if you think about it and you're honest. And no one gave up their room. No one made any effort to make room. And the truth is, the truth is, 
that when Jesus came, when this greatest gift was came, and was to be received with open arms and joy with all that expectation that was there for him, most people didn't even notice. They didn't even notice that Jesus, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, God's gift of salvation was to be born in Bethlehem. Some things haven't changed, still haven't changed, have they, this day? Why is there no room for Jesus? You know, obviously in our text, (coughs) excuse me, we see that there's no room in Bethlehem. That's an obvious thing that we notice right away. There's no room in Jesus' time in that city. There was no room for Jesus. There was a census. Everybody's going for the census. It was ordered, and they go, and it's packed. Everyone's going to their hometowns. The rooms are all filled up. We know that part of the story. Let's move on. But there's no room for Jesus, not just in Bethlehem. There is no room for Jesus in the world. In fact, historically... There was very little room for Jesus in the world from the time Adam and Eve sinned and transgressed against God until now. There's very little room for Jesus, spiritually speaking. And even just practically speaking, with our time and efforts and energies, the world could care less as humanity goes, could care less in many ways. In fact, God's own people that He chose through Abraham, the Israelites, the Jewish people, They went through a time over and over cyclically, and you've heard this many times from this pulpit in different classes, where they had no room for God or even ultimately the promise of the Messiah because it was a false expectation and they grew impatient and they had no room for Jesus in their lives. No room for God. Let's jump forward to the New Testament very quickly. We also know that in the New Testament... The scripture tells us very clearly. It says in John chapter 1, verse 10 and 11, He was in the world speaking of Jesus. And though the world was made through Him, the world did not recognize Him. Were they really looking for Him? Were they looking for Him to be someone totally different? Yes, they were in many cases. But listen to verse 11. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. No room. No room. I've got no room for you, Jesus. So there's no room in the world, and it has been the case historically. Pushing God and pushing Jesus and the gift of salvation that comes to him out of the way so that we can do our own thing. And that leads to that third place where there is no world, no room for Jesus, not just in Bethlehem, not just in our world and amongst humanity, but in our own personal lives. Your life, my life, in our own lives. And I think there's a few reasons why. And I think they're really important to reflect on as we celebrate the birth of Jesus. The first one is, is that we're so busy. We're so busy that we have no room for Jesus. It's convicting. We run around, we strategize, we plan, we do all kinds of things for our own personal gain, for our own personal pleasure, for our own, for the reason of trying to make sure that we're 
just like everyone else. Not in all cases, but these are some, some reasons that we might be so busy. We fill our schedules up. And we're running around and we're so busy. We're, in fact, we're so busy. And there are some of you here tonight that are so busy with work. You're so busy with whatever you got to do, whatever you fill your schedule with. You've been so busy. And there's one, two, maybe three, hopefully not more, that are here tonight that you barely finished your Christmas shopping just before this service. That's how busy you are. You're running around and you're forgetting. And, you, and all of a sudden it hits you. It's Christmas. It's Christmas Eve. And I still have to get... And you fill in the blanks. And maybe the truth is that you still have got to prepare this dish. You've got to wrap that gift because you've committed yourself to so much stuff and then you're missing the main point. Jesus. No room for Jesus because we're so... Busy. I thought when I went into stop and shop last night, just for a couple things, I'd get in and get out. Didn't work out that way because everybody else from Hope Valley was in there, right? And it took a little while. And I got to see Jeremy's mom from Mexico there. And she's like, wow, it's busy in here. I'm like, yeah, it's busy because we're waiting till the last minute because we're so busy. Some things never change, and people, God's people, and people in general, humanity has been busy in our own lives. We pack our schedules, and we have no time and no room for Jesus. My question for you is, this Christmas, is there room in your world, and more specifically, in your life, for Jesus? We'll come back to that a little bit later. Secondly, I think that there's no room room for Jesus in our lives, because we feel threatened. Now, we don't think of it that way. That, that word doesn't come into, well, I don't want to think about Jesus because I'm threatened. But let me explain what I mean. And we can take our example from King Herod in the Gospels, in the Scripture, the account. King Herod was so threatened when he heard from the wise men, when he found out that they were coming to worship the king, he did something so terrible. He got so scared that he... He took and he made an order and he went out and he said, you go find every child, every boy that is two years old and younger and take care of them. You know why? He was the boss. He was on the throne. He was the ruler. And God forbid that somebody else would come and knock him off his throne. You know what? We operate the same way. We do. We do, and it's, it's so subtle, and it comes in different forms and ways, and, 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 and it just permeates our lives to the point that there's no room for Jesus because we're afraid we're going to lose our autonomy. And more specifically, we're going to lose, we're going to lose our sovereignty. I'm in control. I'm in charge. I will make the decisions how I want and when I want. And you know what the truth is? That we know, even if you're a Christian, we know that we have to surrender and submit completely because Jesus isn't just a Savior. He's also the King, which means He's Lord. He's boss. And we have to give way to Him. And sometimes we just won't do that because truly we are threatened by that because we know that if we actually have room for Him in our lives certain things have to stop. And we don't want that to happen. 
because we feel like we're in control and charge and we can govern our lives. We're threatened. Jesus comes into our world, you know, we, and, and, and we love to be in control. He wants that control. We want to be in control of our finances, of our relationship, of our dreams, of, all our, of, of even our destiny. I'm going to determine where I end up one day. And when Jesus comes into the world, he comes in as Almighty God, who's Lord, who's Master, and yet he came as a baby human being over 2,000 years ago. Perhaps, and maybe this is it, we know that if we really accept Christ for who he is, it means that we have to give up control of our lives. And that really is what it means when Jesus comes into our life. And so this Christmas... My second question for you is, is there room for Jesus to rule and govern your heart? I'm in charge. It's all going great. Let me ask you honestly, how's that really working out for you? How's that really working out for you? Thirdly and quickly, I think that we have no room for Jesus in our lives because, well, we're sinners. We're sinners. We, we mess up, we say. And, I, and I'll, I'll use that expression, we mess up. I'm not perfect. Not that any of you thinks I am. Probably most of you don't. And that's totally fine with me. We, just follow my train of thought here a little bit. We make mistakes. We didn't realize we did something wrong. We have all kinds of excuses, right? But let me just tell you this and make it very plain and simple according to what the Bible says when we use those kinds of phrases. The Bible calls it sin. Calls it sin. Absolutely wrong in violation of what God expects and ordains. And David is in complete control. I love it. Relax. Don't worry about it, Mom and Dad. We love it. He's, he's celebrating Christmas. And he's got his red and black pajamas on, plaid, ready to sit by. Look at him. You want to come on up? Come on up. Go ahead. This is how we do it at New Hope. We love it. We're celebrating Christmas, you know? Jesus was just like you one day. In the synagogue, I can't imagine what his parents thought he, about him running around. And when he took over and started teaching in the synagogue, Jesus, oh, that was even more incredible. But we mess up, right? We use that word, we mess up. But we sin. We're messes. Because of sin, we are messes. And you know what? The evidence is all around us. We live in an imperfect world with big messes everywhere. Everywhere. And the Apostle Paul wrote this, and he sums it up perfectly in in Romans chapter 3, that all have sinned and they've fallen short of God's glory. All. We feel that we're not worthy to be with God. And you know what? We're not on our own, in a sense. We're not. We feel that way, and so, so we don't have room for Jesus because we're almost intimidated, and, and, and there's a healthy fear, and it's good, right? Because he's God, and we're not. He's holy, and, and again, and now we, not to mention that we have to make room for him. I'm not worthy. I'm, I'm, I'm a sinner. But that's why he came. That's why he came. He felt everything that you feel. 
He experienced humanity with all the joys, right? With all the tears, the fears, with all the victories, all the disappointments, all the betrayals, all the lets down. He felt it all. He identified with us through his humanity while he was here. I don't know about you, but I think about sometimes... I see our brother Phil is here and praise God for how, how you're just progressing and God's been your strength. It's so good to see your brother Phil. But I, I, and I, I just think of a case like yours. And I think of individuals, and you've known these stories, when somebody goes through a cancer treatment and, and they lose all their hair. You've got a lot of years. Amen. Praise God. But, but you, they lose all their hair. And what happens a lot of times for their sibling, a parent will shave their head. Now, they don't have cancer or that illness, per se, right? They don't have that. But you know what? They do that. Why? Because they're identifying, and they want that child to know that they feel that same thing, that, 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 the boldness. And to have that out in public and to unashamedly carry that, if you will, because they're identifying and shouldering what that feels like and what that means with their child or their loved one. You know what? Jesus did that. He identifies with us. He understood that and ultimately he took all our sin on the cross. He did live a perfect life. But he went through all the stuff we experience as a result of sin. And in the end, he died for you and for me. We're sinners. And we do mess up. And that's exactly why we need him in our lives. So he can pull us out of all the messes. Amen? That's what we need him for. Praise God. And so... There's no room in our lives because of those, those reasons. And I believe there's even more, but I think those are the big ones. As we close, the angels announced, and you see it on the front of your bulletin, that text in Matthew chapter 1. The angel announced that the son of Joseph and Mary would be Jesus because he would save his people from their sins. Will we make room for Jesus in our lives? Now, I don't mean that you know about them. I don't mean that you prayed some prayer when you were 14 years old or 3 years old or it was last year or whatever. That's great. That's great. I don't mean that. I mean, will you make room for Jesus in your life right now? And only you know how much room you've given to Him. Only you know. Well, God knows, but only you know. I won't know that. The person next to you won't know that. How much room will we make for Jesus in our lives? Remember, the shepherds, They were simple, everyday people who were far from perfect, I'm sure. And and really, they were even outcasts to some degree in some circles in society. And they made room for him in their lives. They left their flocks and they went to see Jesus. They made room in their schedule, in 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 their shepherding. The wise men came from thousands of miles and it would have taken a long time to get there. And how little... You know, when you think about it, we have to travel to come and worship the king, but they went so far and they demonstrated to us because of who they were that no matter how far from God we are or how little we actually even know about him, we can find him if we make room for him by searching for him. So here's the thing. Christ has come to you. In fact, more specifically, he has come to for you. You're the innkeeper of your heart and your life. You are. Is there room for him? 
can you make room? Let me remind you of something really important since Jesus is Lord. It's not about making room to give Him a room. It's not about that. So He can have some little corner in your life and you conveniently can open and close the door and let Him out when it's okay with you. It's not like that. The room you've got to make is that He has the whole in. Not just a part of it. Not one ventricle. The whole deal. Because He demands that because He's God Almighty and He'll have it no other way. And you know what? If you just realized who He was you would realize you wouldn't want it any other way either. Tonight, he says to you and to me, if I could take liberty, I stand at the door and I'm knocking. I'm knocking on your heart because you pushed me out. And some, some of you know, who, and you know who I'm talking to, you pushed me out, you haven't made room for me. And some others of us have kind of, we're, we're slowly closing the door and, and, and as you're he's closing it, he's like, whoa, hold on a second. Will you make room for me? How come you're, you're pushing me out? Will you open the door and let him in? Don't be like it was when Jesus was born in Bethlehem and there was no room and he's born somewhere else besides your heart. Don't let it be that way. Will you receive him today? Will you make room? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for Jesus, your Son. The King of kings, the Lord of lords, God Almighty, that you came down to this earth, born in a manger in a humble place, and now you desire to be born in our hearts if we will just make room for you to take over our lives. This Christmas, Father God, I pray that many of us, and maybe some specifically, would for the first time give you room in their lives by confessing that they're sinners. That we want to keep control. And that we're so busy that we don't even think about you, but now in this moment, your Holy Spirit is touching hearts and I pray, Lord, that there would be confession of that sin against you and they would confess that you died on the cross for them and believe it in their heart and that you rose again and that they might be right with you, justified, so they could be called your children and you could be the innkeeper of their hearts now and always. Lord, may that be true of each one of us today and every day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.